Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. For historical context, today is the 2nd of July of 2022. And today I'm going to be discussing the use of bicarb, whether it's pushes or drips, in patients with diabetic ketoacidosis. What I'm going to be mentioning today on this podcast is not medical advice. You should definitely check out the full post on my website where I have links to all these articles that I'm going to be using as a citation directly so you could double check my work. Read the data for yourself, and as I always mention, don't trust me. See, the whole thing that's taking place is that my friends in the emergency department have an extremely tough job. They take care of a myriad of patients with different pathologies and complaints. To be honest, keeping up with the literature for critical care is quite challenging, but I could just imagine that keeping up with the literature on a variety of things ranging from pediatrics to orthopedics to general medicine must, must be pretty darn challenging. And I understand that it's difficult to stay up to date with everything, especially when so many things that we do in our practices respectively don't have the most fantastic data. And sometimes we do what we've always done. And that's just that's just how it is. And whatever our attendings told us when we were in training. But I often get asked questions about giving patients who are in diabetic ketoacidosis, which we call DKA in short, sodium bicarb, which we call bicarb for short. By definition, patients who have diabetic ketoacidosis are acidotic, meaning that they have serum bicarbs when you check the BMP that are in the teens or even single digits. In addition, their blood glucose is through the roof and clinically the patients are hopping and puffing with that textbook ketone type smell that you hear about so much. And the common practice, generally speaking, is to obviously obtain labs and obtain either an ABG or a VBG. I personally, my practice, don't recommend doing either. After all, once you have the BMP and a bit of a history, you should kind of have a good idea of what's going on. But in the face of this acidosis, many want to go ahead and provide their patients with sodium bicarb in order to correct the the acidosis. But is this the right thing to do? I will go ahead and provide a disclaimer that when the pH is severely low and the patient is, for example, hyperkalemic and hemodynamically unstable, all bets are off. You got to do what you got to do to save the patient's life. After all, you can't necessarily enroll these patients into a clinical trial. But one needs to remember that sodium bicarb is not a benign therapy. In a patient with, for example, hypokalemia, low potassium, it will make the patient even more hypokalemic as there will be a shift of the potassium from the extracellular space into the intracellular space. And in addition, there's good data, and physiologically speaking, bicarb causes hypocalcemia in patients. We also need to keep in mind that when we provide bicarb to patients, it gets metabolized into CO2. That CO2 needs to leave the body somehow, and we breathe it away. But in patients who are in DKA, they are already working so hard to blow down their CO2 in an attempt to compensate for their metabolic acidosis. So are you really helping them or worsening their burden by going ahead and giving them bicarb? But enough with all of these scenarios. You've come to this podcast to look through the data, so I'll bring the data. But the bottom line is that you really should not be using bicarb pushes nor drips in DKA patients. I know that we have this gut feeling, not necessarily this gut feeling, but this gut intention and desire to make the numbers pretty and hypothetically fix the acidosis faster. But what does the data say? Does this really work? Let's find out.
If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So when we look at the data for giving DKA patients IV bicarb, the first study we should look for is a systematic review and meta-analysis of 44 different patients. And this systematic review and meta-analysis was published in 2011. I will have to say that this is completely free for you to download, so just go either to my website or down to the show notes where you can get a link to my website. If you are, like me, an anti-bicarb in DKA person and your colleagues happen to be pro-bicarb, I suggest you print this bad boy out and hand it to them. It's hard to imagine, but there aren't many randomized control trials on the, man- on the matter. Of these 44 patients, only three were randomized control trial in adults that compared bicarb to no bicarb. But all these patients were sick. They all had a mean pH of less than 7.05. The primary outcome of this systematic review and meta-analysis was to look at the duration of hospitalization. Here, there was no difference between the two groups. Turns out that giving bicarb did not get patients out of the hospital faster. Amongst the secondary outcomes, they also looked at the correction of acidosis. After all, we give bicarb, which is a base, to fix the acidosis faster. Well, it turns out here that there was no benefit in the resolution of acidosis in these patients. In addition to that, the resolution of ketosis also took longer in the bicarb group, and there was no improvement either in the glycemic control nor in the insulin requirement of these patients. Now, some of us go ahead and provide bicarb for hemodynamic parameters. Turns out that there was no improvement here either. But I know what you're saying to yourself right now. You're saying, Well, Eddie, these data are over a decade old. It's 2022, like you mentioned at the beginning, and then you're saying that the study is from 2011. But when one is searching for studies, I definitely suggest you look at PubMed, not Google. If you you search on Google, you'll probably find my website amongst others, but the whole point is to actually read the studies for yourself. So if you want newer data, here's an example. More recently, in a 2013 study, they looked retrospectively at 86 patients who had a pH of less than 6.9. That's six, six, sick patients. Unfortunately, this study is not free for you to download. It's behind the paywall, so you have to trust me. But in these patients, again, with a pH of less than 6.9, did giving bicarb resolve their DKA faster? No, it turns out it didn't. Did they get out of the hospital faster? It didn't help here as well. And at the end of the day, these patients required more fluids and more insulin. So newer data doesn't work. turns out that in 2018, the World Journal of Diabetes published a review reiterating these findings. They stated that, quote, the bulk of data argue against significant benefit in important clinical outcomes and suggest possible adverse effects with the use of bicarbonate, end quote. After all, we all took an oath to do no harm. The endocrinology team at at Emory published a nice review on the management of DKA where they addressed bicarb. Here they stated, quote, although no studies looked at the effect of bicarbonate therapy in patients with severe acidosis because the potential risk of cardiac contractility being reduced and arrhythmias, clinical guidelines recommend the administration of 50 to 100 millimoles of sodium bicarb as an isotonic solution, 
until the pH is greater than 6.9. So here they're kind of giving it out, but this isn't supported by any randomized control trial. This was just a statement from the endocrinology team at Emory. But to wrap things up, wrap things up, excuse me. If your patient has immediate life-threatening issues, you may have an argument to give sodium bicarb, but not if your patient's pH is 7.1. I know we all feel like we need to do something when we get these sick patients, but this is not substantiated by neither the evidence nor fundamental physiology. Since we're not going to be improving outcomes with bicarb, then why are we even checking venous blood gas, gases or even worse, painful arterial blood gases? That's ultimately a question that I leave for you. It's happened to cause a little bit of controversy on my social media accounts. All in all, I greatly appreciate everybody's support, and I wish you all the best and a fantastic day. Um, definitely follow me on all my mediums, and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me there. I'll try really hard to get back to you. Thanks for your support, guys. Bye.